If you'd like to be a part of this show, 714-364-4721. The website, puregoldpg.com, where you can check out our Twitter, our Facebook, our YouTube, uh, pretty much everything else that we do. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You know, DG, it's the last week in July, and there is just so much going on. we got the baseball trading deadline coming up. The NFL finally signed their deal, and now there will be a football season. Finally. And we have wrestling to talk about. You know, as bad as it's been a couple months ago, it's gotten a lot more interesting. So what do you think has been going on in the world of wrestling in your world? (laughs) Well, what do I think has been going on in the world of wrestling? Well, Sarah, let us uh, dive right into that. Um, You know, folks, we have a couple of guests this evening. Uh, We should have a couple of guests. Uh, We're we're hoping that that the checks went in the mail and they, they received them. They'll be calling in. We should be joined today by Mike Vaccaro of the New York Post, and we also should be joined a little later on by Flex Freeman of the IWF. And speaking of wrestling, as Joe was saying, um, last night on Raw was an interesting show. You know, we had some major developments, as uh, Joe and I discussed off the air. Where we are now in terms of wrestling reminds me of the Attitude Era, in terms of the television shows that we see. Not necessarily with the -the over-the-top mature elements, because, well, it's obviously not there. But Raw has really become must-see TV to start and end the show. And everything in the middle is a big old moose turd. I couldn't agree with you more, DJ. I think I might have mentioned that as well, is that it seems like they're going with the platform or the format of, you know, have this great intro, get you hooked, then watch some crap in the middle, and then end it with a big bang. Although, I must say that Triple H did do the state of the WWE dress midway during the show, so that was probably a highlight. Yeah, it definitely was a highlight, and I believe he's going to do the same thing over on SmackDown, sir. Yep, that's right. And, DG, I know this is uh, minute and all that, but and I hate to harp on this stuff, but they had the, the finals of the tournament last night, and um, they had the finals of the tournament last night between Rey Mysterio and, um, what you call it? Who the was Miz? It? The Miz, yes, sorry. And they had the same belt. I mean, 
Do you, do you like that kind of stuff? Well, well <laughs> I, I guess Joe didn't have his coffee tonight. I don't know what's going on with him. But, well, truthfully, Joe, it's like I told you off the air. They had to have the same belt because if they were going to come with a new title, it would be kind of weird. And then when, you know, you have the visual at the end of the show, as we jump ahead to that with Punk and Cena raising the same title belt up in the air, it would have made no sense if Cena was raising a new title, Punk was raising the old title. It would have made no sense if Punk came out with a new belt and Cena had the old belt. Um, what I found interesting was the fact that Punk's title has a nameplate on it, whereas when he was at the Comic-Con in that video, there was no nameplate. So that either means he didn't have the real belt or they just didn't put the plate on there. Um, I think they had to leave the title. I honestly believe that uh, in the future, at some point, what's going to happen is that, uh, let's say even at SummerSlam, the day after SummerSlam, Punk, when he finally is solidified as the true, the one and only heavyweight champ, he'll change the belt, sir. I'm pretty confident in that. You know, this feud is a, a mosh of older past views, DG. First you had the the screw job of 97 when Vince tried to uh, end the match at the pay-per-view by ringing the bell when Cena had Punk in the STFU. And now you have the feud of like Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon with the same titles. I mean, it seems like they're trying to incorporate past feuds into this current feud and trying to make it one big grand feud. I agree with that, sir. That's actually a good point. Um, but it's kind of what I like about it. And And, you know, speaking of all that, I think that with this feud with uh, Raymond, excuse me, Raymond Stero, with uh, CM Punk and John Cena, what it needs to be, it's kind of like the Christian Orton feud. It needs to be the type of thing where this goes on for months. This is something where it's not just one off and, and done. Uh, you know, since since Ray had the title last night, in my personal feeling, they really should just come out next Monday and, and nullify the fact that uh, Raymond Stero won the title for two hours and then and then Cena won the title because technically. Um, Punk was still champion. I know he wasn't quote-unquote working for the company, but he was still the champ, so it should be nullified, in my opinion. So those title reigns wouldn't count, but being that this is WWE and they love those short title reigns, they probably will leave it as such. And because of that, um, you know, Mysterio's going to have a two-hour title reign, and then uh, Punk's going to have a, you know, what? I mean, I'm sorry, not Punk. Uh, Cena's going to have like a short title reign, and then Punk had a couple-of-day title reign, so... It kind of becomes a little bit of a mess there. Are you telling me that the main event at WrestleMania will not be a rematch, and in fact it will be a triple threat? You mean SummerSlam? SummerFest, yes. Yeah. At SummerFest, my opinion, what, the way that I would book it, and of course I'm not a booker, I would throw Mysterio in there because technically Mysterio has a rematch clause in his contract as the former champion. Ray should keep the, you know, get that rematch and throw him into this Punk Cena feud so that way, it doesn't become stale. Uh, I know a lot of people are complaining about the Orton-Christian feud going stale until Christian finally won the title and found a you know, different way to win it. I think they should do the same thing, but start at the beginning and start in, in, you know, uh, injecting other people into the feud so it's not Punk Cena all the time. That way, what you can have is Punk wins the match, solidifies himself as the only champion, a la WrestleMania 10 with uh, Razor and Shawn in the Intercontinental title, two guys with the same belt claiming to be champion. Solidify him as champ. He goes over, but he doesn't pin Cena. Then you can keep the Cena feud fresh until the following month where they can go at it again, sir. And I was going to say, uh, <laughs> Summerfest is only about two weeks away. I mean, when, when Monday Night Raw rolls around next Monday, it will be August 1st. No matches have been announced. This is one of the big four pay-per-views. I think there's yes, something wrong with that. Uh, yeah, I know. You were t <laughs> you were talking about this uh, off the air, but... Um, you know, we'll see. I'm not too worried about it because I'm excited about the direction that the company is going in. Truthfully, Joe, it's like I said earlier, Raw is must-see television. You know, maybe not the entire hour, two hours, like we said, but 
every week now is leaving you with what's going to happen next week. When Punk did that monster uh, shoot promo, work promo, whatever, you're like, man, what's going to happen next week? It was taped, so we kind of knew. But still, even that was interesting. I knew it was taped, and I still watched it. Then the following week, you're waiting for Punk to come back. He does come back, then the pay-per-view. Then this, you know, last week was the end where, where Vince got quote-unquote fired. And now after yesterday, we don't know who the real champion is. So it's every week they're coming, they're, they're leaving you, you know, breathless, like what's going to happen next? And really, WWE is just, they're spot on. They're doing a great job. And, and I'm, I'm thrilled about it, sir. I'm thrilled that finally WWE television is, you know, you want to watch it. I'm even going to play negative Nelly, sir, and tell you that the only thing that's oh, must, course. the only thing that's must-see about the WWE right now is the WWE main event title picture. Nothing else matters. Nobody cares about the rest of the crap that's going on. I mean, they don't, they don't promote, uh, they don't promote, who, do, who don't they promote? They don't promote The Miz. Uh, he's selling an injury. Really? Really. And then... Really? And then Triple H brings back, you know, which, which is cool to bring back JR, but why is Michael Cole still on this broadcast team? Honestly, I don't know. I hate it. I think it's terrible to have Cole as an announcer. He needs to be just on SmackDown. JR and King should call Raw. I love the fact that Triple H brought him back because to me it seems like he's trying to... Obviously, it's a story, folks, but he's trying to solidify the fact that this is a new regime. We're doing things differently and, you know, going a little bit... Back to the old, uh, you know, guy in the black hat, and I and I love it, sir. I was I was happy, I was thrilled. I'm I'm just pumped that Jared's back in the announce table where he belongs. And apparently, apparently, when you're injured, you get re-signed because Triple H re-signed John Morrison. And he's back on the Raw roster. Yeah, that was a bit odd. I don't know why he said that. I think that was a bit of a faux pas on uh, Triple H's part. But uh, it's, it's good to see John Morrison back in action, sir. Sir, are you telling me other than the main event picture with Cena Punk Triple H? involved now. You're telling me everything else is great about the WWE nowadays? No, I never said that. I, as a matter of fact, I started out this whole rant by saying the, the middle of the show is a big old moose turd. The Divas division is terrible, as always. The tag team division. But see, there might be some life injected into that, sir, because truthfully, you know, I'm not a huge fan of our truth but people are interested in him, what's going on with him, little Jimmy. The Miz is still there. He's still relevant, I would say. Uh, you know, we got to see what happens with him and Alex Riley. You got Alberto Del Rio and the Money in the Bank thing, so that that's always there. Um, and I think they're going to keep things interesting. There's rumors going around that they're going to sign the WWE is going to sign the heroes of uh, I'm sorry, Chris Hero and Claudio Castagnoli, the the kings of wrestling, which is a big Ring of Honor tag team. If they if they sign them, that that'll be an enormous boon to the tag team division, which is non-existent. And then once you can revive tag team wrestling, if you put McGillicuddy um, and Otunga or Hennig and Otunga. Um, put those guys in there. Maybe Zack Ryder put them in a in a tag team. Just get get the uh, Morella and Kozlov. Get the tag team division going. I think Raw will be interesting again. But sir, let's be honest. When it was the Attitude Era, most of the show was terrible. Most of the mid cards stunk. I mean, we, we were invested in some of the guys, but it was mostly Rock, Austin, DX, uh, Undertaker, Kane. I mean, what else was there really, sir? Well, usually, I mean, during the Attitude Era, you didn't have the split roster, so you had. Basically, all the main event guys take up all the airtime, and that's what made the show good, I think, because you had all the main event guys on one show. So now it's further down. You have split rosters, SmackDown versus Raw. So one of the things that you did want to mention before I forget is that uh, Albert Del Rio is the main Money in the Bank champion. And I don't like that they're following the same pattern that uh, the Miz followed, where he wants to cash it in when it's the most opportune time, and then he decides not to do it. I mean, I think that that angle has been played out, sir. And I think Albert Del Rio needs to either cash it in soon or just, I don't know, cash it out, cash it in at a pay-per-view. Well, truthfully, I don't see how Del Rio can cash it in soon, sir, because 
Punk and, and uh, Cena, that's the main thing. On SmackDown, you've got Orton and uh, Mysterio, uh, or Mr. Orton and Christian. Del Rio's not going to SmackDown, so I don't see how he could cash in. I honestly don't think he should cash it into like the end of the year or later on in the year. I like Daniel Bryan, the fact that he said he's gonna he's announced he's gonna cash in at WrestleMania. If that holds to be, I mean, it gives uh, WWE time to really build him up as a, as a credible contender. Okay, I'll give you that much. Wait until the end of the year for Albert Del Rio, but don't do the same thing that the Miz was doing, where. He's going to cash it in. He's not going to cash in. He's going to cash it in. He's not going to cash in. I don't like that at all. I think it's too soon. If they're going to do that, sir, I think it's too soon to start doing that. They already yeah. started to do it. No, I, I understand that. But what I'm saying is I think if, if this was their plan to do it, similar to the Miz, I think it was too soon to start. Right. So it'll be interesting to see what happens next week, obviously, with the main event picture. Obviously, definitely. Maybe. Well, uh, but getting back, to, getting back to what I was saying earlier, sir, as I, as I look at my notes here, um, you know, when I was watching Raw, you know, if we can go back to the very end, I was watching Raw and I thought, oh, Rey Mysterio was going to be champion, I don't know. And then they did the whole, you know, he's going to defend it against Cena. I'm like, oh, geez, the last two guys on the planet that I want to see as champion. So when Cena won the belt, I started puking, I, I tweeted. But then immediately we hear uh, some fam- semi-familiar theme music for those of you Ring of Honor fans. We heard uh, Cult of Personality by Living Color. And uh, I'm like, wait, what, what, what Punk? And then CM Punk comes out with the title. Crowd goes nuts. Um, you know, he has, like I said, his old ROH team. You got the two of them holding it up. I just thought it was so interesting, sir, because to me, it shows a shift in Punk's persona with the different music. You know, it means it's, it's going to be a new chapter for him. He came back with a spinner, but obviously, like I said before, he had to. And uh, I think that ultimately, like I said, Punk's going to change the belt. He's going to be the main eventer. There's no way he can lose at SummerSlam because then you flush his whole angle down the toilet, sir. Wow. Let's hope he does not lose at SummerSlam because... You're right. I mean, that whole angle, that whole angle that they built up would be, you know, all for naught. And I didn't like the way they treat Rey Mysterio. I know you're not big on Rey Mysterio. Oh, I can't stand him. I'm glad. I wish I wish he had done more. I wish he never won the belt. He cut this whole promo. It has champagne poured out of. <laughs> oh, Daddy, coming home with the gold. I'm coming home with the gold. Yeah, right. You are. You're coming home with nothing. The least they could do is put him in that triple threat, sir, at SummerSlam. He came home with beating. Yeah, SummerFest would be a good time to put him in the triple threat. Um, you know, it's like I said, I hope that this feud becomes like uh, Christian and Orton in the sense. I mean, I think you got two superior guys uh, on the Raw side in terms of their, their character and everything else to uh, Christian and Orton. But just keep this feud going. Make it something that'll last. I mean, something's got to keep us over until Punk uh, until Punk moves on. And then, of course, until Rock and Cena at WrestleMania. But truthfully, Rock and Cena should not be a title match. They need to keep it as it is. Those two guys can sell a paper by themselves. They do not need a title in the mix. I'm hoping that Cena, Cena doesn't win the belt back. Punk keeps it, and he can defend the title against somebody else at Mania. I agree with you, and I don't see why Punk... I don't know how they're going to play it next week. I don't see why Punk needs to defend it against John Cena if he apparently quit the company, left, and now he's back a week later. Yeah, but how else are they going to do it? I mean, you, you do the triple threat, and you don't make that rematch one-on-one, like you said. Oh, yeah, of course. I don't think it should be a one-on-one match because you got to keep this feud interesting. you got to kind of keep it going from there. Um, you know, so of course we'll we'll, uh, we'll see what happens, sir. Um, like you said, the other big announcement was uh, Mr. Mike Bacar, Mr. Uh, sorry, <laughs> uh, Mr. Jim Ross, who who came back and uh, you know, forgive me, folks. Uh, you know, JB. Um, you know, we had this whole thing going on with uh, with Michael Cole and, and SmackDown. I mean, what do you think is going to happen in that situation, sir? I I hope that Michael Cole now will just either end up on SmackDown permanently. Or decide that he wants to manage the Miz and help the Miz become this ultra heel and maybe become the WWE champion later down the line. I mean, the Cole serves no purpose on 
the Raw announce team anymore now that Jim Ross is there, and hopefully that is the end of Cole, especially if, unless he's taking some time off, which most of the time does happen during the summer. These guys take time off after they get squashed in, in a match. So, uh, But I'm, I'm tired of Cole, DG. I think it's time for him to move on to SmackDown. Stay on SmackDown. Don't do both shows. I agree. We definitely do not need him on on uh, on that show, being that Raw is, is the main thing here. And you know, of course, of course, this is pure gold. Uh, we're talking some uh, some wrestling here, and uh, we're waiting for uh, our guest to call in. And that guest, of course, would be Mike Vaccaro of the uh, of the New York Post. Um, so we're uh, we're excited about everything going on here on the show. Um, you know, we like to start out with with wrestling, with everything going on in the in the WWE. Uh, of course, we're going to have uh, another guest a little bit later on. We're going to have Todd's take, as always, something uh, something that's a part of the show. Uh, a, a big part, I would say. So, um, JB, let me ask you this. If you were to give Raw a grade last night, what would that be? Um, I'm going to have to say a C plus, only because I was intrigued by the fact that Jim Ross was brought back to the, the Raw uh, team, you know, the Raw show, and the fact that you know Triple H seems like he's going in a different direction. The title was defended twice uh, last night. The WWE title. Well, there's two title matches on Raw last night, so I give it a C plus, especially with Punk coming back and leaves you with so many different open-ended questions. What's going to happen next week? What's going to happen at SummerSlam? So I'm going to go with the C plus. What do you think? I think that uh, it's about time that we get our guest on the air, sir. <laughs> um, All right, folks, we'll come back to this. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get back to this a little bit later on. Folks, it's a, it's a pleasure and a privilege. Ours, of course, we have joining us this evening the one and only Mike Vaccaro. Mike is a columnist for the New York Post, and he's been writing for the Post since November of 2002. And he, of course, is also an accomplished author with three books under his belt. Mike, how are you doing this evening, sir? Doing good, guys. How you doing tonight? Hey, Mike. Doing wonderful. Doing wonderful, Mike. Let's uh, let's get right into this. Um, as you heard, as you're on hold, we were talking some uh, some wrestling, but this show we cover everything. So let's talk about some baseball. Um, I know we spoke off the air. You had mentioned to me that you grew up as a as a Mets fan. And speaking of our beloved Mets, who would you say is going to end up getting dealt uh, here in the trading deadline? As we're a little bit less than a week away. Well, I think it's pretty clear that Beltran is uh, his days as a matter numbered. Uh, he's the one met with some value. Uh, you, know, you would think that any team that's, con- that's in contention this year would would want to be able to add a guy like him, who's you know, if he's not in the middle of his prime, he's certainly still, you know, in, in, in a productive part of his career, and that's and right. he's been a terrific October player in the past. So, to be able to add him, I mean, there's five or six teams who are gonna who, who are gonna actively try and get him. I think in the match, I would be surprised if anybody else. I mean, clearly, you know, they've said for the record they don't want to deal Reyes. I don't believe they're gonna deal Reyes. Um, I suppose that if somebody decided to blow them away with an offer for one of their bullpen pieces, maybe they would do that. Uh, but I think that I think Beltran right now is the guy that uh, that uh, I'd be very surprised if anybody besides him winds up uh, winds up departing by the end of the week. Hey, Mike, what do you think about secondary guys like Mike Pelfrey or maybe even Izzy, like you mentioned, or, or Bobby Purnell? Do these guys get dealt? Well, Parnell certainly doesn't get dealt. Because I think the Mets view him as a potential uh, future closer, um, and he's a, he's he's a young, live arm who's who's still you know gets paid a relatively small amount of money. So I think he's definitely going to stay. I, I think that, I think the Mets would certainly listen for offers for Pelfrey, but I don't think he's done anything for his value 
over the first four months of the season. So I would be very surprised if any team is gonna is gonna make a play for him. Isringhausen is a very interesting chip, especially because he's been closing games the last couple of the last week or so since since K Rod left and he's done a very good job. Uh, you would think that he would have impressed some people, but uh, the interesting thing about Isringhausen is that he's he's really asked Sandy Olsen to, to you know please don't trade me. I mean his his, his two choices when he came back trying to to get back into baseball were Cincinnati and the Mets. Uh, he was you know delighted to be able to play with the Mets, the team he came up with uh, you know 16 years ago. Um, you know, he doesn't, really, he doesn't have any control over that. If, if the Mets want to trade him, they're going to trade him. But I think uh, he's made it pretty clear that he would rather just, uh, you know, if this is indeed his last year, he'd, he'd rather play with the, with, with the Mets whether they're in the playoff race or not. Yeah, from my understanding, uh, the Mets want to keep him around simply because they want to see if he can maybe um, help groom Bobby Parnell into the closer, like you mentioned before. And somebody with, who's about to close in on 300 saves like Isringhausen, who better to learn from? Um but, you know, speaking of the Mets and the moves, let, let me ask you this, Mike. Is there any chance that Jose Reyes is a New York Met next year? Oh, I think there's definitely a chance. I mean, look, it's, I, I think if, if, the, if the Mets don't deal him, they're clearly intending to, to make him a substantial offer. Now, whether that's going to be a winning offer, you know, we won't know until until uh, until October. Uh, they certainly will have a, a week to negotiate with him exclusively, so there's that to consider. Um uh, is it 50-50? I say it's probably 50-50. I mean, I do, I do think the Mets, uh, you know, understand. Look, I mean, they, they do have a bunch of money coming off the payroll. I know they've talked about how they want to uh, have a smaller payroll next year. You know, if a smaller payroll is 100, 105, $110 million, then you're just talking about, uh, you know, Reyes, you know, making, you know, it's a substantial raise, but a raise that's kind of offset by the by, by the salaries they're going to be, you know, having come off the payroll next year. Beltran, Ali Perez, Louis Castillo, the three big ones among that, K-Rod as well. So, uh, you know, will he? I mean, I, you know, look, I mean, I think last year what we learned is that if Jason Worth can get $128 million, then anybody can get anything. Uh, I think I think that's the that's the number that would concern me more if I'm a Mets fan than the Carl Crawford. People keep talking about Carl Crawford money and talking about uh, talking about uh, Reyes, but but you know Crawford was going to get money. He was going to he was going to get that. I think that that wasn't necessarily a surprising figure. The surprising figure was Worth, and what that tells you is that certainly anybody with deep pockets. Uh, could be willing and, and able to uh, to make a, an over-the-top uh, offer, and that's what the Mets have to worry about is an over-the-top offer. And if if what he wants is to is to, is to break the bank, he's not going to break the bank with the Mets. He's going to make a lot of money with the Mets, but he's not going to break the bank with them. Now, Mike, I mean, I, I can understand you uh, telling um, via email, though, that you're, uh, you know, a fan that has dissipated as a Mets fan. I was at a barbecue this weekend with a bunch of Yankee fans. All my cousins are Yankee fans. And the one World Series that we win in 86, they're throwing it in my face on how Mike's, if Mike Scott pitches Game 7 of the NLCS, we're not winning the World Series. We're not, you know, we're not winning the NLCS, and we're not winning the World Series. So it's it's really hard being a Mets fan in a Yankee town. I mean, and then you have all this stuff that's going on off the field. I can, I can definitely feel where you're coming from in terms of being a dissipated Mets fan. Well, I mean, look. I mean, you know, if a Yankee fan wants to uh, wants to give you a hard time about '86, I mean, look, they've won 28, and uh, they haven't done it without a little bit of help along the way. I mean, you know, in, in, in 1996, every single bounce possibly went their way. You know, in uh, in uh, in uh, you, you can go on and on. I mean, you know, it's, 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 it, there there aren't too many baseball teams that win championships without a couple of helpful bounces here and there. So, you know, that's that's just the Yankee fan trying to be uh, trying to be haughty and trying to remind you they have 20 uh, 28 of them and you only have two, but 
But that's okay. I mean, they're 27. I'm, I'm giving them number 28 already. Oh boy, uh, that's right. I mean, that, that, that's that's part of what uh, look. That's part of what being a New York baseball fan has always been. I mean, look. I mean, going back to to the 40s and 50s. I mean, there was a pretty loyal base of Dodgers fans, and you know, up until 1955, you know, they didn't have anything to show for you know for 54 years of baseball in the National you know, longer in the National League, uh, and the Yankee fans used to get on them too. So that's part of always been what what it's been like being a baseball fan in New York, and and I think it's part of the fun of it. You know, I mean, I think I, I think it does tell you a little bit about the the history of New York and the, and, and, and the rich tradition of of, really, of caring for the National League in this city that uh, that you do have a you still do have a substantial amount of Mets fans. I mean, you know, certainly the Yankee fans I would say right now are probably the majority, but but uh, it wasn't that long yeah, ago when the Mets fans uh, you, you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't walk around New York and see a Yankee jacket anywhere because the Mets are not ready to rule the town. So that's one of the cool things about New York is they do have a choice. Yeah, yeah that, that's definitely a good point. And speaking of our least favorite team in New York, the uh, the New York Yankees, um, do you think that there's any uh, starting pitching help out there for the Yankees, or do you think they'll make any major moves to close in on the little gap they have with Boston? Uh, you know what? It's a, uh, it, I, I could see them wanting to stay uh, – Interested in Jimenez. I mean, Jimenez is obviously the kind of a the kind of pitcher. You know, he comes he comes with a pretty good contract. I mean, it would mean having to having to deal some of their chips, but but you know what? Uh, those chips are are there for a reason. They haven't uh, they haven't dealt them yet. Clearly, they would have last year if they could have gotten Cliff Lee. Is Jimenez Cliff Lee? No, but it's but, but, but certainly in the you know the situation where the Yankees are right now, they could certainly use. You know, a guy that they could rely on in that fourth and fifth spot. Like, I, as good as Cologne has been this year, as good as Freddie Garcia has been this year, uh, I, I think every time you take the every time they take the mound, you, you kind of hold your breath. Cologne for his health, Garcia for his stuff. Even though he's got a ter- ter- terrific ERA, his ERA is comparable to Cliff Lee's, in fact. But he's also gotten pasted by the by the Red Sox twice. And I think, but that's really who the you know the Yankees play. But when you play in the American League and you're the Red Sox and the Yankees, you want you want up finding yourself playing an awful lot of lousy teams. Before you, while you're biding time, waiting to play each other, and I think that that's something that the Yankees have to look at. How did you do against the Red Sox? Obviously, their 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 the results against the Red Sox so far aren't so good. I think that if they, if if I, I, I personally, and this is just this is a good feeling, I do think that Jimenez is going to be a Yankee by the weekend, and I think that will be a favorable move, even if it means giving up a couple of their chips, because I think that he's the kind of guy. Look, I mean, I, I don't think anybody in New York, especially who's a Yankee fan, feels good about AJ Burnett. Uh, being the number two guy and having, having, having to pitch game two of a, of a playoff series, especially if the Yankees are down by, uh, down a game. And I think that that's, uh, you know, if you have Jimenez there instead, you feel a lot different about about the Yankees in a short series. If, if Jimenez is not a Yankee, Mike, do you think that the Yankees have enough chips to go after a King Felix in Seattle? Because they've lost 15 in a row. They're completely out of it. Can they go after him? They can go after him. I think. Look, I mean, you know, he, you know, King Felix has a has a pretty. You know, he, he's locked it for two more years after this one with, with Seattle. And look, if you're Seattle, you know, you would the, 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 the one thing you're pointing to during the middle of this, you know, now 17 game losing streak is that, you know, you've, you you had a pretty good three months, and what you're doing is building toward next year. And you know, if you're going to build toward the future, certainly you want to build around, you know, the two young arms they have that are part of their rotation. So, I, I would suspect that uh, that. Uh, that that's going to be something that's going to be very it's going to be very difficult to pry King Felix away this season. Maybe after the year, especially if Seattle winds up going through a leadership change, maybe that changes. But uh, but uh, right now, I'd be very I'd be, I'd be very uh, surprised if they wind up with King Felix. All right, uh, Mike. I have one last baseball question here for you before we move on to football. Um, Joe and I picked the Red Sox and the Phillies to go to the World Series. I know that's not much of a stretch, at least in terms of uh, the beginning of the year. 
You think that they're going to stand pat, or are they going to go after anyone to help put them over the top? I think that both teams. Look, I, I, I know the Phillies have been involved with Hunter Pence. They, 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 they've talked about being involved with Beltran, which you know certainly makes all the sense in the world. I think. Um, you know what? I, 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 those are both teams who have shown a willingness to, to 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 go for it when you know when they're in the middle of the window of opportunity, and and that window of opportunity, you never know when it's going to come around again. I mean, look at this point in time, it looks like the Phillies, Red Sox, and Yankees are going to be, you know, unstoppable forever. But baseball is cyclical, and we know that. We've seen that for years and years Definitely. and years. And so, you know, when, when you have an opportunity, look, I think, I think the last thing that the Phillies want, I mean, just to, to, to pick the Phillies, the last thing the Phillies want is, is, is for this, you know, stretch of time to to uh, to come and go and only have won one championship. I mean, you look at what the Braves did. They won, they finished first place, what, 14 straight years. They have a one World Series to show for, they have to show for that stretch of dominance. You know, the Mets in the 80s, I mean, they, they, they probably had the best team in baseball, you know, five or six years. They had the best team in the National League five or six years. They have one championship to show for that stretch. So I think that, that the last thing you want to do when you're the Phillies is, is, you know, if in five, six years when suddenly the pitching staff is gone, you're, you're kind of in the process, as the Phillies will, you know, eventually the Phillies will be a rebuilding team. That's just the way it, that's just, you know, the nature of the, of the beast. Unless you're the Yankees, and you certainly want to be able to say, we have, you know, we, we did the best shot to, to, to try and add multiple championships. You know, the Phillies have been in business for, you know, 120 years. They have two championships. I think they want to be able to add that, and they certainly have every reason to believe that because of that pitching staff. It's going to be very difficult to beat them in any short series, no matter you know what team we're talking about. Mike, it's safe to say that you know now that the trade deadline is coming up uh, pretty quick this Sunday, um, it's safe to say as a Met fan that um, I will not be like a Craig Carton and be a Met fan for Yankees after September 1st. <laughs> I will not root for the Yankees. I will not root for the Phillies. And, you know, if if the Red Sox win it, so be it. But, you know, I do not want the Yankees winning another championship. I don't want the Phillies winning another championship. And thank God for football. Let's get right into that, Mike. What do you think about the Jets in terms of, like, their free uh, their free agents, their home free agents? Which two of the four do you think they'll go after? I mean, they've pretty much said that they're not going to go after Edwards. Which two out of the three, then, are you going after? Holmes, Brad Smith, or Cromarty? Uh, personally, I would say Holmes and Smith because those are those are the uh, I think those are the guys who have the most uh, unique uh, talents. I mean, Holmes, you know, Holmes, you know, essentially single-handedly, you know, won you know four games in a row for them last year. He's that kind of he's just a very good football player. I think he's a guy you definitely need on your team going forward. Um, and, and, and Smith is the kind of guy who, you know, he, he, he just every time the ball is in the air and a kickoff for a punt, or, you know, when, when, he, when he's returning punts, but certainly on the kick, you know, kick returns, he's a guy that you think uh, can, can 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 bust one. And certainly he brings you other things also, you know, both out of, out of the Wildcat package and everything else. I mean, he's a guy that I think just gives you an awful lot of of, of, of interesting possibilities. So uh, those are the two guys for me. Um, but uh, you know, it, it's it's a uh, it, it, it's it's it, with Cromartie. It's, it's hard because because you know obviously you'd love to be able to have the the bookend corners and he did he did certainly have you know if he didn't have a, if he didn't have a, a drop dead season last year he certainly had a productive season and was certainly uh, you know, a good reason why the Jets were eleven and five. Very true, Mike. And what do you think? I mean, can the Jets go after a secondary free agent in terms of wide receivers like a Moss or an Owens or a Plaxico, or do you think that they're going to stand pat try to get one of their wide receivers that they currently have on their team that they could try to resign, or do you think they go after these type of wide receivers? Well, if they do wind up losing Edwards, I think that you're going to have to wind up with a second there, with, 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 with a second 
uh, receiver. And I think that, 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 that you know, that's when you're talking about that other market. I think that that would be a tremendous, uh, a tremendous, uh, you know, pick up any any of those guys. I mean, Plaxico to me, look, I mean, obviously it's going to be an interesting story no matter where he plays because of what he's been through the last couple of years. But uh, I think he's a guy who, you know, from in terms of what could make Mark Sanchez and help bring him to the next level, I mean, you saw what he was able to do for Eli. I know he's a couple of years out of the game, but I do think that he's the kind of guy you put him, you know, in an offense. He makes that offense substantially more dangerous. Personally, I'd be, you, know, you never know what the, what the rusting corrosion from, from the layoff is going to do to the player, but, you know, I, I, I think I'd feel better with, with Plaxico than I would even with Braylon Edwards, to be honest with you. All right, um, folks, for those of you listening who just joined us, we are here joined by Mike Picaro of the New York Post. And, Mike, of course, we appreciate you uh, coming on the show with us. So we have a couple questions before we let you go about my beloved New York Giants. Let me ask you this. Um, what would you say is the Giants' biggest priority? Who must they sign out of the free agents that they have on their team? Bradshaw is the guy for me that I that, 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 that because I, I just think he's such a game breaker and I think that given the you know the, the way that uh, the Giants have always won you know on the ground, I mean he's the guy that I need to, that, 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 that I say you need to you need to really you know uh, do right by. Human uh, Yura, I mean sure, I mean I, I, I think I think he's the kind of a guy who who can you know obviously he's he, he, he's, a, he's a proven commodity, uh, but uh, to me I mean look uh, you know. I, he, you know, he's a, he's a guy the Giants have been able to win without in the past. I mean, you'd probably rather not have to try and do that. But to me, if the choice, you know, if, if, especially among those two, if the choice, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to sign Bradshaw. Yeah, I agree. My Bradshaw is definitely, uh, I would say, more than the Giants uh, bargained for when they first got him. And as exciting because we thought, I know me as a Giants fan, I thought that Brandon Jacobs would be the man in terms of his size and everything and being a running back. But uh, Bradshaw has really been the one to break out. And Jacob seems to be taking a couple steps backward. Uh, I heard that they're not going to re-sign Sean O'Hara, or in, at least they're going to let him go. Is there, you think there's any chance he comes back to the team? I think at this point it looks a little grim. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think so. But you know what? I mean, look. I mean, it, it, it just can't tell you. You know, it's it, it, it's funny. I mean, you know, the the, the 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 Giants rode their defense and their offensive line to a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. And those guys are, you know, you know, the, the, the offensive line now looks like they're getting broken up. I mean, they were, you know, they they, they have been kind of a, affected by age the last couple of years and injury and so yeah. forth. But, uh, but uh, you know, it's it, it's 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 probably not a bad time to start thinking about, uh, you know, making that, you know, getting younger along the offensive line, and that's probably, I guess, what their, what their what their thought process is. Yeah, hopefully. Like you said, the Giants will be able to overcome some uh, injuries over the past couple of years and make it back to the Super Bowl. I'd love to see a Giants-Jets Super Bowl, although I really doubt that's going to happen. I know that Joe is expecting a third straight trip to the uh, AFC title game, but we'll see where that goes. <laughs> but, Mike, we really appreciate you coming on the air. It, it was a pleasure having you on. Uh, you know, I was checking out one of your articles the other day, as a matter of fact, uh, about uh, Roger Clemens. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> We were ripping him last week, and then right at, I think the next day I read your article, and I was like, this guy knows what he's talking about. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Certainly, Clemens has been a newsmaker around these parts for years and years and years. Yeah, absolutely, and hopefully he'll go away quietly, and we'll never hear from him again. Hey, that would be nice. To, that's certainly something to do. Yeah, hopefully we can have you on again, Mike, and uh, you have a good evening. Hey, good talking to you guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Mike. 
Folks, that was the one and only Mike Vaccaro, the one and only of the New York Post, uh, one of my favorite newspapers. And speaking of one of my favorite people, or I guess in this case, least favorite, let's have a sports update with Todd Johnstone. Todd, how you doing, sir? Oh, my hands are hot from the Twitter feed, guys. Let me tell you. <laughs> Woo! Uh, so, right. so, what did you think about our special guest there, um, uh, Mr. Johnstone? Very good. Very good. I like it when there's some aspect of the show that's semi-professional. Well, as Angel from Willow Park would say, <laughs> we're always professional. So hit us up with the sports update there. Okay. Yanks topped the Mariners 4-1 to one, uh, after a sixth-inning rain delay. They finish their game before the Mets, who are about to close out the Reds, 8-6. to six. Uh, It's bottom of the ninth, two outs, one man on second. Let's keep our fingers crossed for the Mets. Angels over the Indians, 2-1. to one. Marlins over the Nats, 11-2. to two. Orioles over the Jays, 12-4. to four. Phils over the Giants, 7-2. to two. Royals in the Sox. The Sox lead the Royals, 13-7 in the eighth. The Cubs are losing to the Brewers, 2-3 in the eighth. Rangers over the Twins, 8-7 in the seventh. Pirates and the Braves are knotted at three in the tenth. The Tigers and the White Sox are also knotted at four in the eighth. Strohs are losing to the Cardinals, 3-1 in the eighth. Rays and the A's, no score in the second. D-backs and the Padres, also no score in the second. And the Rockies and the Dodgers, no score in the second. DG. Hey, Todd, it's actually Joe. <laughs> I got to say that baseball. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. I got to say that baseball <laughs> and specifically the Mets have done their job. They held me over until finally, 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 we have an NFL season. So, Sir Todd, take it away. Oh, thank goodness. Uh, let me tell you now, I actually had some time on my hands today, and I wrote my take before I went to the gym. Now, I've been following my Twitter feed since, like, 9 o'clock this morning. I've been following everybody. Everything that I wrote is now pretty much nonsense. But, you know, I'm going to read some of it anyway. So, okay, folks, the lockout is over, and the NFLPA's antitrust suit, Brady versus the NFL, has been rescinded. So, let's not dwell on the details of such things, you know, since the PA still has to to recertify in order for the rest of the – the union-required aspects to be worked out. So we won't be talking about CBA any further on Pure Gold, or at least on Todd's take, until the 10th anniversary show of Pure Gold. Thank God. So, (laughs) thank God it's right. So with that, let's put that to bed, and let's talk free agency. So NFL teams have begun business today, and teams are moving already. And in the NFL, especially the AFC and NFC East, let's start with, DJ's New York Giants. So, not a good day to be a veteran O-lineman in in blue today. With a $6 million deficit to make up, longtime center Sean O'Hara and guard Richard Siebert have been released. Adam Coates will make the move uh, up on the depth chart, provided his surgically corrected knee is ready to go. David Deal will probably move inside, assuming uh, that Beatty is uh, able to start at left tackle. And Sean Andrews is, of course, still a big question mark considering his $7.5 million cap number. So with all this shakeup on the O-line, will they be able to keep Eli upright? Will they be able to run the ball? Regardless of how early it is, I'm saying no. 
The Dallas Cowboys released running back Marion Barber, guard Leonard Davis, and wide receiver Roy Williams for a savings of $15.7 million towards the projected $17 million over the cap. The Cowboys are going to be a mess. I'm predicting Tony Roma gets put out, put out in his first game. The Eagles are not without their own problems. Mike Vick uh, hinted this morning in his presser that his number one uh, wide receiver, Deshaun Jackson, will most likely be a holdout. One can only hope. Brett Favre is being rumored to be the new backup to Vick. There's a good idea. But on the bright side of perhaps the uh, the rumored trade of Cobb to Arizona, which seems now, as of five seconds ago, Arizona seems to be in a, a one-horse race here. <clears throat> and uh, it could possibly yield one defensive stopgap in uh Dominique Rogers Camardi in a package deal. That could be a good deal. Could be a good trade. On to the AFC East, the relevant division. State line Miami quarterback Pat Devlin reached a third-year deal with the Dolphins. Congratulations. The Buffalo Bills again so far today have done exactly what they've done over the last decade to get better. That would be nothing. <laughs> if I'm reading the Twitter feed correctly too. It seems as though Paul Puglesny is going to be out of Buffalo uh, sometime very soon before the morning hours. Uh, the Pats will be very busy. They have nine draft picks that they have to uh, sort out contracts for. Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis is a restricted free agent. Kyle Arrington is a free agent. Logan Mankins has to sign his franchise tender. Matt Light's status could ruin their already questionable running game. Banta Kane has been cut in the critical linebacker position. And uh, the question remains, will Kevin Falk have a spot on this roster, and should he? Then, of course, comes my beloved New York Jets. Free agency hell. (laughs) Holmes, Edwards, Smith, Cromartie. Oh, boy. Somebody's going to be the odd man out here. The Bears are showing interest in Brad Smith, which, uh, if anybody who knows me, the only team I hate Almost as much as the Pats as the Bears, and if they get their hands on my Brad Smith, I'm going to be really, really upset. So the Bears, everybody's after Santonio. I mean, how many games will Braylon get suspended for? Willie, Damian Woody is set to retire if he doesn't get a new deal. And what about Hunter? I mean, is Wayne Hunter ready to go? Does Nandi Asamoa really want to play here? Do we want him here? What would it cost us and players to get him? Uh, what would it cost uh, to players uh, if we could, could if we could sign it? What about our draft picks? Could we use Plex? Is it too much? I tell you, it's all too much. Mike Tannenbaum, what will you do? What path will be taken? I saw Johnstone. Hey, hey, T- hey TJ, who, who you said that Rome was going to be laid out in week one. Who, who are the Cowboys playing in week one? I believe they're playing our beloved New York Jets. <laughs> then I believe you're right that Tony Romo will be laid out. <laughs> now, let me say this. The lo- the latest from Rich Semini is that the New York Jets are working very hard with this, with uh, Santonio Holmes on his deal, and there is serious interest in Nandi Asamoah. I'm a little um, nervous about that move, to be honest. Yeah, I, I really hope I mean, that my – go ahead, sorry. In replacing Cromartie, I had no problem with it. 
Samini is saying that he thinks that uh, that Asamoah is about winning right now and not about money, and he may be willing to to take a lesser deal for the right situation. Now, I mean, if you're Nandi Asamoah, as far as I can tell, there are two good situations. There's us, and there's the Bucks, and there's no other good situations. Hey, I agree with you. I mean, I just don't want to lose my favorite Jet, Brad Smith. I was going to get a uniform of Brad Smith this year. Now I'm hoping that he doesn't sign with the Bears or any other team. Like, uh, I, I don't want to see him in a Patriot uniform either, Todd. Yes, there has been interest by the Patriots and also by the Dolphins. Now, the Dolphins have all but abandoned the uh, the the Wildcat, which, you know, they set the, the whole league of fever with that, and they don't even run it anymore. So what they would use him for, God only knows. All right, Todd, thanks for the take, and uh, we'll catch up with you. Thanks for the update. All right, thanks, guys. Folks, that was the one and only Todd Johnstone. And speaking of the one and only, let us move on to a repeat guest, someone who is a friend of the show, friend of the program. We have the one and only Flex Freeman of the IWF. And for the folks, the last time Flex was on, which was only a couple of weeks ago, he had one gold strap around his waist. Now he's got a second one. Flex, how are you doing, sir? Hey, how are you? How are you doing, Dave? We are, well, I'm doing fabulous. I know Joe's doing fabulous. And uh, like I mentioned, you know, you had done a WWE tryout. Now, yes, at this sir. point, just a couple weeks later, you're the IWF heavyweight champion. You know, you won it in something I've never heard of, a 16-man over-the-top rope if you can call it a battle royal, because it was more like a massacre that you won <laughs> in a minute and 45 seconds. Flex, how in yes, the sir. world does something like that happen? Well, honestly, I don't know if you remember, like, when we spoke, you know, you remember when we spoke last time. Bro, yeah. like I told you, when I when I step out of that curtain, I'm thinking of straight dominance, brother. And, like, when I ran out there, it was like, um... First off, I was I'm the American champion, I'm undefeated. So I didn't have to participate in any matches that night. So I was fresh. Everyone else had, you know, wrestled that you know, that day earlier on in singles matches. So me, bro, when I came out I was just a house of fire, bro, and I like everything I saw was getting thrown over the top rope, whether it was a friend, foe or a regular guy, it didn't matter. You were going over that rope. Right. Now now that that you have both titles, um are you going to have to relinquish the U.S. title or the American title, I mean? As of yet, no. I do not. I'm i still holding on both belts, you know, and if need be, I'll defend them both in one night, you know. <laughs> Earlier on in the show, I'll defend the American. Later on, I'll defend the heavyweight. But as of right now, Flex Freeman is the American and IWF heavyweight champion. So if you were to just – you're basically calling out the entire IWF roster and CM Punk to come after <laughs> your titles. <laughs> well, don't forget John Cena, sir. And John Cena. <laughs> now, yeah, Flex, exactly. um, this Saturday at the IWF event, Summer Sizzler, is this going to be your first title defense? Yes, this will be the first time I'm defending the World Heavyweight uh, title. Yes, it will be. And, um, I mean, it's, it's – it's, oh, man, bro. Like, I thought it was crazy with the American title, but – Things have changed. Like, you can just tell, even in the locker room, like, everyone just... You become, like, instead of, like, one of the boys in the back, you become a target. Yeah. And, you know, it just comes with the territory now, so... And I wear that belt proudly, you know, and I'm... <sighs> I'm walking along with it, brother, so... You know, 
it, it's it's different now. It's not the same thing, you know. Like I like this is like it is, it's not my first title defense, but this is the first one where I've had a belt that each and every guy in the locker room wants. Like everybody yeah. in the locker room, even Jana, you know, the female wrestler we have, everyone shout <laughs> to that belt. Everyone, you know, she, you know, she, she would give me if she had to, but you know, like uh, everyone shout to that belt. So it's 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 uncomfortable, but I mean, it, I knew when I I knew. When I threw bright lights to Jared Foster, the last guy over the rope, when I could really him out of the ring, I knew after that, you know, nothing in the Independent Wrestling Federation would be the same for me, you know? Of course not. I mean, having two titles is really unprecedented. Even in, the, you know, your WWE, guys don't usually hold belts like that, so that's why Joe asked you about relinquishing the title, the, the American title. But do you know who your first uh, heavyweight de- title defense is against? I have no clue because there, like I told you, there's a locker room full of guys who want who want either one of those belts. To be honest with you, so I mean, if there is only one match for me, I'm, it could be any of those guys on the roster. So I mean, right now, honestly, what I'm doing is staying in the gym, keep working in the ring, keeping my cardio up, and I'm watching tape on everyone. You know, I'm watching tape on everyone, everybody on the roster, everyone from our Dante Arcade. Uh, our high definition Chris Steelers, you know. So with me it's just it's not like I'm just looking at one guy, brother. I'm looking at everyone in there and there's no one set for me. And like it's not one name that they're just, you know, like you have to face this guy. It, it could be anybody in that locker room. So I just gotta keep my head on the swivel. You know, Flex, last week we were, uh we were interviewing Matt Walsh and uh yes. Bright Lights Bright Lights Jared Foster was talking some smack with us about interviewing Matt Walsh. Sure. Yeah, do you think, do you, think uh, you have any plans on laying the smackdown on any of those two guys? <laughs> oh, man. You know, honestly, I haven't really spoken to Matt Walsh too much. So, you know, he's been really quiet, you know. And so, you know, I don't have any, you know, everything against him. But when it comes to Bright Lights, this guy is funny. It, you know, he, he talks a lot. Like, you know, you see his Twitter, you know, he talks a real good game. And, I, you know, I always go to him and, you know, I always laugh, you know, like at his little stuff. But. You know, it's it's inevitable when I get in the ring, I make him look twelve. So at the end of the day, brother, you know, he can say whatever he wants, but you know, if I have to, I'll crush him. You know. Well, you know, I think you make most guys look twelve, considering the the size disparity. But uh, you know, <laughs> Jared Foster actually kind of reminds me of the Miz, like the Miz's younger brother. You know, with yeah. the uh, yeah, his whole demeanor and his attitude, and when he when he tweeted us last week, I'm like, is this guy serious? You know, and then he had. Uh, What's his name? Larry Lawson also was uh, was talking about somebody else. So you know we got the IWF world in an uproar with our with our interviews of their uh, their newest talent and of course the one and only Flex Freeman. Yes, sir. The thing is, is like like I told you, Flex Foster is one of those guys, man. Foster and Lawson will both make you want to punch them in the head, brother. And I mean, it, uh, bro, uh, I can't tell you. Like there have been times I've been looking at, I've been grinding my teeth looking at the kids, like. <laughs> Trying to rip his head off, you know he's a heat machine. But I got Aiden Lawson too with the stupid sweater. You know I, I don't know if he was there. I think he was there at the show when I choked him until the face turned blue. And, yeah, you know, it was. <laughs> you know one of the, the highlights of uh, my right? career. Yeah, he's got next. What happened? No. no, I said Larry's walking around with a neck brace, or he was walking on the, the neck brace the last time <laughs> yeah. I saw him. That because of you? <laughs> yeah, that was because of me, brother. 
you know, you know, Flex. Now that now that you mentioned that you don't have you don't know who your opponent is at at you know Summer Sizzler, just watch out that you know the man, the myth, the legend, Kevin Knight doesn't go heel and you know hit you with a chair and take your title. Ah, oh, come on! Uh, <laughs> you never know. You never know. You know about that DTA? Don't trust anyone. Come on. Yeah, you're right, brother. It's, you know, it's you're right. Like I told you, he, he's one of the guys on the roster that want that belt. But yeah, he's a uh, man, that's that that'll be a tough pill to swallow. I won't even lie because you know, like I've I've been fighting you know side by side with him for so long. You know, like it's just like since I got in, you know. So if you know, I I, I pray that that wouldn't happen, man. Because like I told you, you know, I love the guy to death, but I won't defend that belt at all costs. And if that means stepping in the ring with him, then. You know, so be it. Yeah, I mean, you never know, uh, Flex. Uh, Joe, myself, might just show up there at an IWF event and take the title from you, so you can't trust anybody. Hey, I'm on the tape on you guys right now, bro. Like, don't even worry about that, you know? <laughs> Listen, uh, Flex, we really appreciate you coming on the air with us again. Just, uh, you know, we wanted to let the audience know that after you came on our show, now you really are pure gold because you got two titles instead of just one. <laughs> Thank you so much, bro. Listen, uh, we appreciate it, Flex, and we're definitely going to stop in one of these days and uh, check you out. I would go Saturday, but I actually have a big family outing. Uh, we're going to go check out the Somerset Patriots. So one of these Saturdays, oh, one of these Saturdays, you might just show up there. Uh, you'll, you'll hear the Pure Gold theme song, and we'll just come out and lay everybody out with steel chairs. <laughs> Flex, we appreciate you coming on the air. Thank you so much, bro. It's always a pleasure to talk to you guys, man. It was great meeting you at the show. Even my mother, you know, loved meeting you. She actually says hi. So thanks for everything. I appreciate it, fellas. <laughs> Mama Flex. <laughs> Take care, Flex. Tell your mother we said hello. No problem, buddy. All right, folks, that was the one and only IWF heavyweight champion and the IWF American champion, Mr. Flex Freeman. You know, DG, it's been a great show so far. I mean, we've we've covered a lot of different things, and uh, I guess we're going to go into the entertainment. Uh, you went to go see a movie. You are a movie slur, sir. You go see every movie that's out there. You are uh, absolutely correct, sir. I mean, I wouldn't use that phrase, but I definitely like to go see pretty much every movie out there. So, enlighten me, always. When What movie have you seen this weekend? Well... I don't know if I should even get into that, sir, because we're actually waiting for our uh, our last guest to call in. I mean, I wouldn't call him a guest. He's more just like a, a friend of the family, as it were. Somebody who always comes on the show. We're waiting for Hans to call in. Um, Why don't I tell you what movie I went to go see this weekend, then? Oh, please, do that, sir. <laughs> you know, it was a perfect time to take my daughter, Sabrina, who's going to be three years old in November. She's uh, a little bit past two and a half now. Uh, it was a perfect time to go see and take her to our first movie. We took her to see Winnie the Pooh, sir, at the Kirasot Theater. I'm sure you're familiar with the Kirasot in Sea Caucus. Oh, I love that theater. It's uh, it's much more comfortable to me than the Clifton Commons or anything at AMC because it's just a brand-new theater, other than, of course, my favorite dining theater. I love Kirasot. It's awesome. They have the $5 uh, club they got going there, sir. Was this a $5 film? This was not a $5 film, only because the movie came out you know, this past week, so you had to wait another week before you go see it. Well, why didn't you wait another week? You waited almost three years. <laughs> Sabrina was free, by the way. I, it was me and uh, my wife that had to pay. That's still too much money. You should make her pay. I will next time. 
But let me tell you, sir, there's nothing more, um, as a father, you know, nothing more great, greater joy to see that, you know, your, your daughter's eyes light up when Winnie the Pooh shows up on the big screen. I mean, her eyes live so much. And she, you know, most of the kids were talking because they don't know how to be quiet during a movie. Savages. And I think her, her quote was, it's Winnie, Daddy. It's Winnie. Woo. So it was a great movie, an hour and ten. I recommend you take your daughter, your niece, your cousins, whoever you have. Don't go by yourself, Hans. Because it'd be a little weird to go watch Winnie the Pooh, you know, by yourself. Take somebody, take your kid, take your niece, bring your wife. Take somebody's kids, anybody's wife. Just, just show up, Hans. <laughs> Hans, you there? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> He's listening to you talking smack. So, uh, tell us, Hans, have you seen Winnie the Pooh? No, not yet. Maybe this what? weekend with my uh, niece and nephew. See, there you go. Yeah, take my niece, take someone's kids. Just go, just show up. <laughs> I'll take your I'll take your nephew. I met him. Yeah, him too. You know, <laughs> he may kick you in the shins, but uh, you know he's a good kid. So Hans, he, he, he wouldn't uh, dare. Oh, of course, you and I had the privilege, we had the honor, the pleasure of going to Carousel. As a matter of fact, on Saturday to watch the summer blockbuster El Capitan Americano. Sir, what did you think about this film? I actually had the pleasure of viewing it twice on Saturday. And um, the first time I saw it with you, non-3D, then I saw it later on that night, I saw it 3D, and 3D is not worth it. But the movie overall, it's worth going. It's worth going and paying full price. Give us the storyline. What's this movie about? I have not seen this movie. Well... Uh, it takes place in the in the forties, uh, around uh they're they're drafting for the war and this kid from is from Brooklyn, right? Or the Bronx? No, Brooklyn, sir. Thank God. Brooklyn, yeah. Uh this scrawny little kid from Brooklyn wants to join uh the army and he keeps getting denied because he's got a million and one things wrong with him. Uh and so a doctor overhears him, gives him a chance, and they give him the um, the serum, the the super um, the super soldier serum. And it was supposed to be a team of them, but they, it got exploded, and he was the only one. And in the beginning, they kick him out of the program, I guess, um, because he he was just an experiment, and they had to go uh, do tests on him. So he starts performing for money as Captain America. Um, then he runs off, saves the day once, and uh, they they just bring him in full time as a military guy. And he goes on being a superhero. Oh, and then he yeah. gets frozen at the end. He's fighting the Red Skull, and he gets frozen somewhere in Antarctica. I'm not sure where it was. Yeah, I think really I think that's in Antarctica. Yeah, right? Uh, so, yeah, he gets uh, frozen. Um, he's in a deep freeze for about 70 years. He wakes up on our time, and he joins the Avengers, and that was pretty much it. A lot of <laughs> fighting and action in between, but you get the gist. Yeah, Hans basically took the entire movie, folks. There's no need to go see it. Even though it is worth paying full price, double price, it's a great film. 
personally, I thought that Chris Evans did an amazing job of being Captain America. I honestly thought that he pulled it off perfectly. When I first heard that he was going to make the shift from the Fantastic Four to Captain America, I was a little iffy. But, man, Hans, what a job he did. He did a great job. You wouldn't even think it was the same person that played uh, Johnny Storm. Definitely not. We have a sequel in the making? Uh, he signed on for... Actually, uh, like when he signed movies. on for Captain America, they they the studios wanted him for nine movies, and him and his uh, manager talked him down to, to six. Three Captain Americas and three Avenger movies. That's better. <laughs> yeah, we don't want him 45 or 50 years old as Captain America in the ninth Captain America film. But, sir, there was a little uh, trailer preview. Something special happened at the end of the credits. Can you break that down for us? Well, basically, it was... Uh... A trailer for for next year's Avenger movie, which looks incredible, except for Mark Ruffalo being um, <laughs> the Hulk now. Oh, Other than that, that whole the trailer was just amazing. It it looks. I I don't even have words for it. It just looks great. It looks fantastic. Is that coming out before or after Batman? Actually, um, I think it's the same time. Um, it's the same summer. I know, but is one coming out in May? May 2012? Is so it is May, okay. Yeah, so it's coming out first, I think, uh, what, a month earlier? Yeah. Good. <laughs> Great. Yeah, it was just an amazing film, folks. You definitely have to check it out. Um, with the Avengers, hopefully they'll find a way to balance the characters out. You know, it's the perfect... There's a lot of them. Hopefully it won't have too much Hulk, because I'm not a big fan of Mark Ruffalo. But aside from that, it honestly, Joe and Hans, it shows you just how much better and superior Marvel is at doing comic movies than DC. You know, they have so many different studios they can work with. DC can only do Warner Brothers, which absolutely stinks. But um, I like Green Lantern personally, but Captain America blew it out of the water, sir. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that, Mr. Hans. Oh, of course. I mean... Well, like you said, Marvel has their choice of going anywhere. Plus, Marvel has, in my opinion, richer characters. DC really only has Batman and Superman, and they always tank at telling the Superman story. So... Well, you can't forget Wonder Woman. I mean, they've never done a good job with her, but she's a she's an iconic character. She's up there in that uh, stratosphere. Yeah, but the the problem with her, like, we, we spoke about this um, off the air. She has no backstory, so they would have to create, to make her relevant, they would have to create a whole new story for her. She's just some chick that grew up in the Amazons, and she's a princess. There's really not much you can work with there. Yeah. Kelly Arbordoff is saying that Batman and Superman are, are played out. I don't know if I'd agree with the whole Batman thing, but I'm hoping that the Superman movie will actually be good. I'm hoping that Man of Steel is not man of crap. Yeah, 2012 seems to be the, to be the year of the comic book movies, which... And the end of the world. And the end of the world, which, you know, thank God it's in December. I want to go watch my Batman movie. <laughs> 
Well, actually, a, Superman, the Man of Steel got pushed back to the following yeah. summer. I, I told Joe that on Thursday, but he forgot it. It's 2013 now. Oh, then, yeah, I won't be able so to watch So we, we might not even get to see yeah, definitely whether not. it's great or not. What about phone? Hey, let me ask you this, Hans. Uh, getting back to Captain America quickly, what did you think about the outfits? I was a big fan when he wore the cloth outfit. I thought it was a perfect homage to what he looks like in the comics. And then even the battle suit that he came up with was great. And what they showed in the Avengers, what he's going to wear... I mean, here we are, grown men talking about superheroes and outfits, but I absolutely loved it. I I did love it. I like that um, the second uniform that he got um, when he he gave it to to Howard Stark. Um, I thought it looked better. It was really just military uniform in his colors, the red, white, and blue, which I loved. I loved that he it was just the um, Regular camouflage pants that you get issued in the military. Well, at that time that you got issued in the military, uh, it was just his colors. And it wasn't tight. It wasn't uh, – they didn't change it too much. They didn't play with it too much. So I, I loved it. And, I, like you said, the one that they, the, they have for the Avengers looks great. It looks tough. It, it looks mint. It, it definitely does. Now, Hans, uh, last week, I uh, I told the audience, I didn't really get into too much. I thought you could elaborate a little bit more, but what exactly is the former Superman, former Clark Kent, Joe's uh, boyhood hero, Tom Walling? Uh, I think there's something going on with him on the comic book front, is there not? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was mentioning to you um, that he might be jumping ship from from DC over to Marvel, they they have him. It's rumored, my sources tell me, that he might be one of the lead characters in one of three Marvel movies that they're going to make. Uh, the first one was uh, Doctor Strange. The second one was Deathlock. And the Wait, third hold on a second. I got to throw up. Hold on. <laughs> and what was the other one? Doctor Strange. <laughs> Runaways and Deathlock. Horrible. Three horrible choices. I think Tom Wong needs to stick to Joe's favorite outfit, the Superman semi-tights, oh. because those three movies would suck. This just in. This just in. Pete Ross will be the new Batman in the new reboot. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sam Jones is only doing, like, uh, I don't know how many months in prison, so uh, he could he could sign on to be the Black Robin. Or the Black Batman. <laughs> No, no, I definitely can't be. Let's no. <laughs> forget that, sir. That's forgotten. Odds, <laughs> pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Thank Thanks you. for having me on, guys. And of course, the endings just keep staying awkward. <laughs> it's like sir, a bad a date ending. Movie. You don't, you don't know what to do. You just want to leave. It's just, it's just weird, you know. It's just weird, uncomfortable, and it's over. You, know, you don't like know whether whether uh, we're going in for the kiss. The handshake, we don't know. Oh, we're ready to Just to thank you. <laughs> Click. Click. <laughs> Hans, as always, a pleasure, except for that last little part that you said. All right. Have a good night, guys. You too, sir. Folks, that was the one and only awkward Hans with his, with his segment here on the show. And I have to admit, that was, uh, that was different. That was different. DG, tonight. JB. Tonight, Pure Gold, sports, life, and everything in between. Covered some wrestling, 
some baseball talk with the trade deadline, NFL season's back, and we hit the entertainment. I don't know if there's anything else we could cover unless you got some nuggets from me. No, I think that's pretty much it. All right, what's going on Thursday? Well, Thursday we'll be joined by another guest, the one and only Sal Licata, former producer of the Mike Francesa radio program. That version of Mike'd Up, because as we know, he's no longer doing the TV version of Mike'd Up. And of course, next Tuesday, we should be joined by the one and only Neil Best of Newsday every day, Newsday once a week. After that, that Thursday, we'll be joined by the one and only good golly, Greg Giannotti, formerly of WFN. The following week, the ninth, we'll be joined by the one and only big brother, Don LaGreca of ESPN. Very excited about that. I know that uh, Todd is going to be a little schoolgirl for that episode because he's a big fan of Don's. And, uh, you know, that following week, we'll, we'll play safe. We're not going to do too much. <laughs> and then the following week, folks, the 23rd, that Tuesday, New York Giant all-time great legend, Leonard Marshall, professor at Seton Hall University, as a matter of fact. And, of course, like I said, the great New York Giant. Super Bowl champion two times over. He'll be joining us. And the 25th, that Thursday, we'll have little brother Dave LaGreca, co-host of Busted Open. Oh, yeah! As Doug would say when he starts out the show. That's pretty exciting. We're definitely excited for that episode. We have a lot of things going on. We have some other guests uh, possibly coming down the pipeline. JB, any closing thoughts before we uh, wrap a nice little ball on the show, sir? No, I think we did a good job. I, I appreciate Mike coming on from the New York Post. He gave us some thoughts, and uh, it was good to talk some football. Like I said, the, the baseball season did its job for me anyway, or the Mets did their job. They kept me interested just enough for the football season to be here. Now I'm jumping on the Jets bandwagon. See you later, Jets. After the train deadline, the Mets are a dead topic until the all season. I like turtles. Yeah, I, uh, I agree with that, sir. Yes. And, folks... As always, we appreciate you listening. This is the one and only Pure Gold. And as I always like to say, the call-in number, even though the show's going off the air and you can't call in now anyway, 714-364-4721. Check us out at puregoldpg.com. Again, like Joe said, thanks to Mike Vaccaro of the New York Post for joining us. A special thanks to Flex Freeman of the IWF for also joining us for a second time. A special shout-out to Flex's mom, who's a huge fan of the show. Uh, we appreciate all of you out there in the listening world. Thanks to Kelly, our board op. She was working overtime tonight. And, of course, a thanks to Hans and his weird comments. For JB, this is DG of Pure Gold. Reminding you to tune in Thursday. And also reminding you to always keep it P a G. Good night, everyone. And God bless Captain America. Go check it out. Great movie.